Love Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. This is your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie, with the Master Key. We want to welcome you to another Saturday noon time of prayer, intercession, and uh, warfare. Uh, warfare is something that you and I will be engaged to engage in until the day that you die. For the simple reason, the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 7, it says, uh, I think it was Paul, not, I think it was Paul, who made this statement, he said, when I desire to do good, I find myself not doing it. And what I want to do, I find myself doing it. What I do want to do, I find myself not doing it. That's the way it goes. And he says that sin is always present. Present is not, sin is always present in the world. Sin is always present in us because we have an Adamic nature. And so, therefore, it's always present, but it doesn't mean because it's present, it has to be active. Because it's present, it doesn't mean it has to be dominant in my life. Romans, same chapter, not same chapter, but the same book, previous to that, I think chapter 6, tell us, let not sin reign in your mortal body. Don't allow it to be Lord. Don't allow it to be master. Don't allow it to reign. So we're talking about spiritual warfare. So, therefore, Satan has no way to me, no way to you, but except through the Adamic nature. But the Adamic nature is dead. Death means does not mean annihilation or eradication. And death does not mean something is not present. Death simply means to be disconnected. It can always be reconnected. Uh, many of you see it all the time, those of you that have electrical out- outlets. You can plug a lamp into an outlet. If you don't switch the lamp, then the, it is dead. The lamp is dead. What makes the lamp dead? Because the power switch on the lamp has not been turned on. Once you turn the power switch, then what happens? The lamp is reconnected. What was dead now is alive. Just by the click of a switch. Everything works like that. You and I have an Adamic nature but it's dead because of Christ. And what I mean by because of Christ, because I I switched, clicked the switch of my life to Christ. I disconnected myself of Christ. Once Christ came into my life, I was disconnected from sin and connected to righteousness. See, I want to break this down to you because I, I know a lot of Christians, we get frustrated and we get aggravated and say, and, and, and I believe one of the reasons why 
God has graced me because I cried out to God years ago as a young man. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how could I be saved and still get angry and frustrated and aggravated. And and uh, and I, my greatest problem was sinning with my tongue. I slice you and dice you because I wasn't going to let nobody run over me. I wasn't going to let nobody do me wrong. I still had a carnal mentality. I was only saved a year once I came here under my mentor. But I didn't understand it because we were taught if you follow the word, you will never sin. If you follow the Holy Ghost, you will never sin. And I was sinning. I still get angry. I still wouldn't let anyone treat me wrong, treat me bad. I still was operating in the spirit of revenge or avenging. I'm going to pay you back. That's how I was before I got saved. So I'm saved now. I'm full of the Holy Spirit now. Uh, full of the Word, because we lived in the I lived in the Word day night, seven days a week. But how in the world could I be have all of this Word? And God was using me. People was getting healed. People getting delivered. People getting set free. How could this be? This was this was my question. I was frustrated because not only that, but I I, I saw uh, in my church. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, we had, uh, we sat up on a tremendous word, uh, a tremendous man of God that flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, I mean, tremendous uh, uh, supernatural things uh, that we encountered and we've seen and experienced. So my question w- was, God, what's wrong with me? I know I have your spirit. I live with you. I commune with you. I fellowship with you seven days a week. And during that time, I watch no television. I maybe uh, uh, maybe on Saturday I probably watch a a game because uh, I was raised up in sports. So uh, my mentor will allow me. And those who I said my mentor will allow me. I was up on when you're up on the authority. Uh, see, a lot of people, a lot reason, a lot of things ain't work. You really have never been submitted to nobody. Yeah, never been submitted to nobody. So, so you never can get what you need from God because that's the channel, that's the avenue, and how God operates of giving you what you need is through discipleship. Jesus called his disciples unto him, and they receive an impartation by the obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. See, these are divine principles, ladies and gentlemen. So we have a, a lot of people, the body of Christ, go to church but never been discipled. They have never really truly submitted themselves uh, unto anyone, and so it, it doesn't work. You're you're not going to be able to receive uh, the full counsel of what God has for you because God does it through relationships. And and now uh, uh, you say, well, I got a relationship with Jesus, and that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Uh, the relationship with your man or woman of God is to bring you to a place of relationship with supposed to be. This is where it bring you into a relationship with Christ. The ultimate is never the man or the woman that's discipling you. The ultimate is always Christ. But a man and woman that has never been discipled themselves, they cannot disciple. They don't know how to disciple. Uh, unless they have had a supernatural encounter with God from, a, from, from young and there was nobody to mentor them or something like that, then uh, like Adam was mentored by God, then Adam turns around and mentored Eve. That's the, that, that is the, 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 per, um, the order of God. That's how it was from the beginning. Um, but I want to talk about discipleship uh, uh, directly today 
but I, I want to share uh, concerning how this thing worked with us. I'm talking about me. How in the world could I be saved? And, and I'm, I'm experiencing that the old nature still was dominant, put it that way. Uh, not every area, because I didn't smoke dope anymore. Uh, I wouldn't come into fornication anymore before I got, uh, uh, when I got saved. So a lot of those things uh, I wasn't doing. But it was the attitude thing. It was the anger thing. It was the thing when somebody came against me or violated me, I'm going to get you back. Uh, I'm going to pay you back. Uh, uh, there was some uh, levels of unforgiveness there, too, that I was struggling with. So there was some issue. There was some victories uh, that uh, had a supernatural encounter with God from, from those areas. Those things was purged from me. I didn't desire. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. Uh, 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 I didn't steal. None of those things. But there was other areas. So we may have uh, some people on the line today. I want to help us out today when we engage in spiritual warfare. I'm going to tell you how this thing worked, ladies and gentlemen. Because this, we will be in battle. We will be warring from now until the day you die unless Jesus Christ came back today to rapture us out of, out of here. So we've got to look at how it works. Now, you've got to understand warfare that we're engaged in today is absolutely no different from the warfare that Adam and Eve, I just said more Eve, that Eve or both of them, because Adam had a choice, Eve was engaged in, in, in the garden there. The ultimate here is a pattern of authority that God has established from the beginning. It still is established today. It's still God's order today. It's still God's order. We see in the word of the Lord that God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. Everything is about warfare. Think about it. Dominion is a warfare name, a, a warfare word. Let them have dominion of the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the face of the earth. Let them subdue. Let them subdue. Subdue is a warfare word. Dominion is a warfare word. It is a, it's an authoritative word. So you and I is going to be experiencing uh, warfare from now until the day you, you and I die. We have an obligation and responsibility to exercise dominion and to subdue. To exercise dominion and to subdue. Now, who gave Adam and uh, Adam this charge? His creator. God gave him the charge. God gave him the charge. So he gave him a charge. He said, make sure that you exercise this dominion for me. Anything that's out of order, put it back in order. So now he made him in his image, made him in his likeness, gave him a charge. Did what? Made him in his image, made him in his likeness, gave him a charge. So the obligation, responsibility. So now he put him to sleep, bring the wife, and before he brings the wife, watch this right here. Before he brings the wife, God tests him. God taught him. God put him to work. He put him in the garden. To till the ground. There was no keeper. So he's, he's teaching him responsibility. He's teaching him what? Responsibility. Okay, I, I created the heavens. I created the earth. I renovated this earth that was a form and void. He created a garden, created a man. Then created a garden, put the man in the garden to till the ground. He taught him. He taught him how to till the ground. He was his father. He was his mentor. He was his trainer. Then he brought the animals before him. And whatever Adam named him, not whatever God named him, whatever Adam named him, all of this was a part of his training. 
Oh, this is part of his training and responsibility because uh, he put Adam in charge of the earth. So whatever Adam called them, that's what they was going to be, just like God has named all the angels in heaven. Whatever God called the angels, that's what they are. Whatever name he gave them, that's what the, the, their name is. Lucifer, Michael, Gabriel, whatever their name was, uh, uh, whatever name God gave them, that's what the name was. And so, therefore, just like God could name everything in heaven, Adam named everything in the earth. He named every tree, whatever the name was, whatever the fruit was, he named it. Whatever Adam, he named it. And it's still the same name today. So God was training him, training him. He was made an image in, in, in the likeness of God. So, so he trained him. But you've got to understand how God operates, ladies and gentlemen. He trained him. After he trained him, he named the animals, the trees. Then he now promoted him, elevated him to a higher level and position of authority. What was the next level and position of authority? Now, after he have experienced doing the earth, naming the fruit trees, naming the animals, now God bring him somebody just like him. He take a dimension, a, a dimension of himself. Uh, 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 out of him um, and form a uh, 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 someone just like him, but opposite of him, a human being. Now it's a greater level of responsibility. So now he brings the woman to the man. This is holy matrimony. He brings the woman to the man. And when he brings the woman to the man, then the man now begins to train her like God trained him. Bring her into an environment. What environment? The Garden of Eden. Brings her. God speaks and says, now, this is the issue here. This is the, this is the thing. Now, he got one level of responsibility. There's another level of responsibility. You can eat of every tree. Now, God told Adam this before he brought Eve. Eve. Adam tells Eve, but God tells Adam. You can eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge is good and evil. You cannot partake of this. So Adam obeyed God. He, he, he did not partake of the fruit. He did not partake of uh, the forbidden fruit or the forbidden tree. And we've got to understand, there was no sin to the tree. And there was no sin to the fruit because God cannot create sin. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. God is what? God is light, and in him there is no darkness. So therefore, if God is light, and in him there is absolutely no darkness. He cannot create darkness. So the Bible says God is love. So he can't create hate. So therefore, uh, uh, um, the forbidden tree had nothing to do with sin. It had nothing to do with darkness. It just was a command. Don't partake of this. The day that you partake of it, you're going to die. You're going to die? Now, once again, we understand that death is a disconnection. Just like I gave you the example of the lamp. The lamp is present. The power is present. It's just disconnected until the switch is turned on. So here it is. Uh, the only power of uh, uh, presence, supernatural presence, was God and his kingdom in the earth. Satan was not activated, but was present. Death was present. Now, it was an act of obedience or disobedience. That calls life or death. Always, that's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. It's an act of obedience or an act of disobedience. 
He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. What Jesus says in the word of the Lord, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then that is a law that governs the world. Whoever you obey, that's really who you love. Whoever you obey is, who, who is really who your master is. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, if I'm not mistaken. He told the, the, the Jews that you're of your father the devil, for the will of your father you would do. So therefore, when you do the will of Satan, you connect to Satan. When you do the will of God, you're connected to God. So there's always a connection or disconnection that is taking place. A connection or disconnection, a connection or disconnection. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is the man. How you think will connect you, how you think will disconnect you. Are, are you getting this? How you think will connect you, how you think will disconnect you. So then the Bible goes on to say in the book of um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, says, finally, brother, and whatsoever things is lovely, just come here. They've been the virtue of being praised. Think on these things. Think on these things. Lovely, just, kind, pure, virtue, praise. Think on these things. I have a responsibility and obligation. Now notice, I'm the one is to think. I'm the one who has the, the power to think. I'm the one who has the power to make a choice to think. It's my responsibility to think on these things. If I think on these things, then according to Philippians, certain things will take place. I will experience the peace of God. Now, if I'm experiencing turmoil, experiencing oppression, experiencing depression, then I'm not thinking on these things. I'm not thinking from God's perspective. I'm not thinking from the Holy Spirit perspective, nor the Christ perspective. I am thinking from the perspective of another realm. Either this realm, the natural created realm, or the realm of God. I'm to the realm of the enemy. If I'm oppressed, depressed, suppressed, it's because I'm thinking about me, thinking about something about me, or am I thinking about God? He says uh, in Philippians 4 there, uh, verse 6, it says, uh, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. Don't be anxious about nothing. But everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, be made known to God. Now, what come out of your mouth in prayer will reveal what, what is dominating your mind or your thoughts, processes. What come out of your mouth in prayer? Is, are you praying about what is happening to you? Are you praying about your circumstances and situations? Are you praying the word of God? And see, people think that you need to pray Tell God about stuff that he already knows. You, you, people really think that, I'm talking negative, that it, you think you have to tell God, Lord, my husband, Lord, my wife, Lord, my children, Lord, my job, Lord, my next door neighbor, Lord, you see what they're doing to me, Lord, you see how they're treating me. Why you think you have to tell God that when you already know that? And out of your mouth, you say he's omnipresent. Out of your mouth, you say he's omniscient, that he knows everything and sees everything. And he's everywhere present. But we feel that we have to do. So when you say that you're in agreement, you're complaining, you're murmuring, you're grumbling, that doesn't touch the heart of God. What touches the heart of God, what comes out of your mouth is what he says about the situation. What is his mindset? What does he promise you? What has he said about you? That is the things I should be thinking about and thinking on and speaking out of my mouth. That gives God legal right now to come and perform what has been spoken about my mouth because he found the man and the woman that agreed with him on earth. 
If any two agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of the Father which is in heaven. Are, are you getting this? And that is why if we don't see a lot of things happening in the earth realm. It's because we don't understand the nature of the battle. We don't understand the nature of the battle. And some of us do understand the nature of the battle, but we're incarcerated. We're incarcerated by emotions, incarcerated by our feelings, and incarcerated by the spirit of error. Now I want to share some principles with you uh, today. I think it's going to help us to understand spiritual warfare. There is a real enemy, and his ultimate goal is to come to steal, kill, and to destroy, ladies and gentlemen. And you've got to understand the king, how the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy operate. I was, um, I was privileged to uh, see uh, 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 a deliverance session. And uh, um, I've been in part so many deliverance sessions, but this is, this is uh, I thought, was something unique from this particular perspective. It was two deliverance sessions that just took place, and both of these deliverance sessions was by ministers of the gospel. One was by a pastor and one was by evangelist. Evangelist was a female gender. And they was, they, they was in this particular service, and as they was in this service, uh, the anointing was high in this service, and this, was, this is a deliverance ministry. And uh, as the man of God laid hands, uh, this was two different, two different times in two different services, laid hands, I saw it with the pastor first. Laid hands on the pastor, the pastor started manifesting. Always understand when there is a manifestation of demonic forces, the ultimate goal, how they operate, they attack your conscious state. You're not aware. You're not conscious once they start manifesting because they take over your conscious state and they start speaking through your body. So these spirits start manifesting, and as they was manifesting, then uh, the, 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 the man of God um, began to ask them questions. And they start, how when did you come in there? What, uh, 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 what is your powers, and uh, uh, what kind of damage have, have you done since you've been in this body? And, and the spirits start speaking out, and they start telling them, I came in at this age, I came in by this medium, I came in through, I came in through um, his grandfather or his grandfather. Uh, 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 they begin to So... After they get set free, then they have testimony service. The pastor made a statement and said, how could this be? I'm a pastor. And I, I, I have cast many devils out. I laid hands on people, and people have been healed. How, how, how could this be? He said, I was amazed and shocked that this was in me, and, 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 and I'm a pastor. Ladies and gentlemen, then the man of God began to explain to the people, because you pray, because you lay hands on the sick and people get healed and get people delivered, he said, that is a manipulation. He didn't say it like that, but it is a manipulation. Because you got to understand something. The Bible let us know, but we, are so, we, are, we have no discernment. The majority of people in America here, uh, in our church, we have no discernment. Have no discernment. So what, what, what happens is just right here. The Bible says Satan will transform himself as an angel of light. We read that, have encountered that, but have absolutely no idea, no clue that we have encountered it. It's fascinating. We call everybody a man of God because they're a pastor. 
We call every man a man of God because they have the title of prophet and apostle and teacher and evangelist. We call everybody a man of God. And I'm not talking by no means. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying here. Uh, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm not talking about somebody that has sinned. I'm talking about somebody that's living in it. Or someone that is under the influence of a generational curse. But they don't, they don't recognize it. Satan's greatest work, ladies and gentlemen, is always deception and disguising. His greatest work is not a bona fide uh, witch, a w- wizard, warlock. Say, I am a witch. I am a warlock. That's not his greatest work. Because you want to know. His greatest work is to transform himself as an angel of light, to transform himself as an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to transform himself as a church goer. A lot of people is agents of Satan and don't even know the agents of Satan. Right in the church, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about warfare. Are, are, are you hearing me? I need you to understand how this thing works. Because I want to I get to, to, to my relationship with the Lord. How, how could this be when I'm full of the word? This is my church with a full of the word and full of the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, share something with everybody on, on this, uh, uh, that's on this broadcast today. You can speak in tongues and not be filled with the Spirit of God. The tongues you speak in could be satanic. The Holy Spirit's job, his ministry, is to make Jesus a reality to me. Is to make Jesus a reality to me. The, uh, the majority of us that speak in tongues, Jesus is not real to us. We go to church, we read the Bible, we study, we pray, we sing songs of praise, songs of worship and everything, but he's not a reality to us. Satan is more a reality to the majority of us than Christ is. How could that be, preacher, about the works that we do? Let's look at some things in the word of the Lord. Let's look at some things in the word of the Lord and, and, and see how this thing works. I'm highly concerned in the body of Christ. And... and and I'm not too concerned from the perspective God says that he will have a church without spot or rancor. Actually, you have to believe the word. But my prayer is that we get set free and we stay free and we walk in the reality of the word of the Lord. Now, I gave you some scriptures a while back, but I want to, I want to look at something here in the word of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. I think it, that can help us. Uh, I want to go to the book of James. I shared James a while back. But it's quite a few things I, I want to share, so I may I may go over an hour today, uh, unless we have somebody that uh, click in and desire prayer, because I want I want I want to help you. I really want to help you, and I don't want you and I to walk in deception or self deception. You got to understand what kind of God we serve. God is not a schizophrenic. God is not a Santa Claus. God is a God of principles. He's a God of laws. When I say laws, I'm not talking about natural uh, laws. I'm not talking about even talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about laws that governs relationships. Notice what the Scripture says here, if you will. Now, now you, uh, uh, um, James chapter two. Let's look at it right here. James chapter two, and verse eighteen through twenty-one. But someone will say, "You have faith." Now, what pleases God, ladies and gentlemen? What pleases God is you. It's, it's nothing, you can't escape it. You can't say, well, th- th- you, you, you can't sugarcoat. It's either faith or any faith. Bottom line, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Now, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. By what my works? By what my works? By what you do, how you live. I show you my faith. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So now, my question would be, are you a believer? You're going to say yes. You believe God, you're going to say yes. Then what's the difference between you and Satan? The Bible said Satan believes. He believes. And he trembles. Problem with a lot of us, we believe we ain't dead, but there's no trembling. So this is what it says, verse 19. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is disconnected. So if faith is disconnected from your works, then faith is dead and you are dead. What? Uh Uh-huh. Faith is dead and you are dead. Faith without works is death. Faith without works is death. Faith without works is death. So if I have faith and there is no works, my faith is dead because my faith is disconnected and my I'm dead because what connects my faith is my works. What makes my faith evidence is my works. So the evidence when I plug a lamp into a socket and the current is there, but I have it off. So the light is dead. The current is dead. Well, I said the lamp is dead. But the current is running, but there's no connection to the current until I switch it. Once I switch it, then the light bulb lights. Because now power is coming to the light bulb and there's light. But what is the works? Turning it on. It's evident. It's evident. Uh, uh, so so now, now watch this right here. So can I preach faith and don't have faith? Absolutely. Can I pray war and battle and don't have faith? Absolutely. You see it all the time. And that's so dangerous. I want to get to that today, ladies and gentlemen. God grace me to have time. I want to get to this today. See, ladies and gentlemen, it's no magic to it. It's no magic to it. Watch this right here. Verse uh, 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his own, uh, uh, his, uh, excuse me, Isaac, his son, on the altar? Now, let's read this right here in, the, in, the, in the, the Message Bible, those of you that's with me today. Notice what it says. I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith then I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together. 
hand in glove. Verse 19. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God? Verse 19 again. Again. Do I hear you professing? Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God? But then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful. That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it, uh, excuse me, what good does it do then? Verse 20. Use your hands. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? God help us today. Verse 21. Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoke partners? Then faith expresses itself in works. That the works are works of faith. Are, are, are you hearing this? Then verse 24 says in the Message Bible, Is it not evident that a person is made right with God by not, excuse me, with God by not, uh, by, uh, I think I'm, I'm reading this a little fast here. Let me start again. Sorry about that. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God? Not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works. By what? Faith fruitful in works. By what? Faith fruitful in works. So what are you saying, preacher? This has been the problem. And what has happened in the church, and I'm talking about me as a leader and all of the leaders that has gathered with me on, on the line here. It's impossible that God has chose me as E.J. McKenzie. That it's possible that God has chose the pastors that is with us on this broadcast and those that are going to be listening to us later. It's impossible that God chose you because of your degree. I have an earned doctor degree I got in 2005. That's squat. It means jack. It means absolutely nothing to have a degreed, to be a degreed preacher. It means nothing. It means nothing for me to be called by God and not chosen by God. It means nothing. It means nothing for E.J. McKenzie to get a prophetic word that he's called to be an apostle. It means nothing. Your prophetic word means nothing. Your degree means nothing. God don't choose you. He don't choose. He didn't choose me because of the degree. He didn't choose me because I got a prophetic word for ten years about the apostolic. He don't choose you because of that. He chooses you one way and one way only, ladies and gentlemen. He call you, but don't choose you. He only can choose you when there's evidence that you have faith in Him. That you trust him. You believe him. And you, he told you to do something and you did it. He told you to do something and you did it. And the moment you did it, you became somebody. That's how it worked. It's not because 
uh, I have a charisma about myself and got a lot of people and I got influence on me, blah, blah, blah. None of that stuff. That stuff is going to die. I'm trying to help you to understand, and we're going to get to the spiritual warfare part in a few minutes, ladies and gentlemen, because Satan understands all of this stuff. And he's a master. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 says this right here. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. And such people turn away. So, to have faith without works is to have a form of godliness and have absolutely no power. To say I'm a man of faith, to say you're a man of faith, to say you're a woman of faith, uh, and there is no works, uh, according to the word of the living God, there is no power. There is no power. My faith is barren. My faith is dead if it's not accomplished with fruitful works. What kind of works? Fruitful works, not just works. Fruitful works. Fruitful works. What is a fruitful work? Let me give you an example of what a fruitful work is. And faith. Faith always requires something. Faith always requires a risk of losing something to, to, to obtain what God said. Always. Impossible. There's a, there's a story in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 13. There was a man, they don't even name the prophet's name, but the word of the Lord came to the prophet and said, I want you to go uh, into a certain region, uh, and there's a king. The king of Israel is uh, offering up sacrifice on this altar, but it's the altar of Baal. I want you to go and prophesy against this altar. He went, he said, this is now, you go, do not go back the way that you, you, you came. I don't want you to eat with nobody there. I don't want you to. I want you to drink nothing there. I don't want you to talk with nobody there. I want you to go and prophesy and go back another way. Don't go in the way that you came. So therefore, the prophet went to, uh, in the word of the Lord. He went in the word of the Lord. He went up on the word. Now the word of the Lord came from heaven. That means some, a word that comes from heaven. When a man is submitted to that word that comes from heaven, that means he's submitted to God. He's submitted to uh, to heaven itself. That means you have God. You have heaven. You have the angels backing them when you're in the word of the Lord. When you're what? In the word of the Lord. So he received a prophetic word from God. God said, go and prophesy against the altar of Baal. So he goes in the word of the Lord. He prophesies against the altar of Baal. The word of the Lord that comes out of his mouth splits the altar in half. The king sees him. The kings go in to grab him. And when the king go to grab him, the Bible says his hand withered. That's a form of warfare. It's a form of warfare. Now, here is a prophet going. The king is an authority of Israel. He received a word from God that prophesy against the altar that the king himself is offering sacrifices on. Now, this prophet is going. Here's faith. He's going with an opportunity or a chance that he can die. Because the king is the authority of the whole nation. Faith. He goes in the strength of the word of the Lord. Faith without works is dead. So his faith was alive. How? What was the fruit of his faith? He, he prophesied against the altar of Baal. That's the fruit. 
So when the king get ready to grab him, the Bible says, what happened? His hand withered. The king hand died. Why? Because the king now is coming against God. He's not coming against the prophet. He's coming against God because this man is in the word of God. And so since the man is in the word of God, the word of God came from heaven. So therefore, the king came against the man, came against the word, came against the God that spoke the word. And so therefore, he now became an enemy of heaven, an enemy of the throne, an enemy of God, and an enemy of the man of God who's walking in the word of God. Faith. When you walk in faith, that means everything is about. But yet, look, he took a risk. He took a risk. Now watch this right here. By him taking a risk, what, that, what happens? Now he become qualified. He become a legitimate, qualified, solidified prophet of God, a man of God by his works towards God, his faith towards God. And notice the king hands with her because the king was contrary to the word of the Lord. And that's the problem in the church. We got a lot of people that quote scripture, but it's not living the scripture, not walking in the word of the Lord. So they disqualify themselves with spiritual warfare. They're binding devils that they're bound by. His hand withered. So he said, ask God to restore me. Pray to God that God restore my hand. The same man of God that prophesied against the altar. Praise for the man. Heaven restores his hand. When the man prophesied, heaven destroyed the altar. When the man touched him, his hand was a heaven restored it. But it was through the instrumentality of a man. Through the instrumentality of a man. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you today. That's how you and I are going to experience the full counsel of God, ladies and gentlemen. But notice it right here. I, I need you to see this right here. You've got to understand what is going on here. Second Timothy chapter 3 and uh, uh, 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power. And from such people turn away. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. Turn away from them. Why do the Bible tell us to turn away from these individuals? It's because these individuals... Uh, it's masqueraders. These were preachers. That's almost everybody I know. Well, then you have to make a decision. I, I started a series called called the Anatomy of Man, and 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 I would manage you to get that series. We're not finished with it, but we've uh, been in and out because God's been giving us different things. But we're constantly going back to it. During this teaching, someone shared, shared with me, man, listen to this teacher. I don't even know if I'm saved. And I, I, I agree with the majority. When you look at, listen, when you understand the, uh, the, the, the anatomy of a human being, their spirit, soul, and body, and understand the distinction between carnality and spirituality, if you ever do a study on sp- carnality and do a study on spirituality, you probably question even yourself if you have not, uh, you're not a person of obedience. Because it exposes. But you, want, you know the sad thing about it? We hear it and we go on. You want to know why? Because there's no acts of accountability to the people, to their lives. 
we as authorities, we just allow people that is close to us and around us to be anything and to live any kind of way. And that shows us something about ourselves as leaders. And I'm definitely examining myself. Because this has happened. I was talking to one of my spiritual uh, children recently, and I began to look at their lives that have been around me for years, began to look at them and say, I'm nothing like you. You are nothing like me. How I was in relationship with my spiritual father, nothing. And you was around me longer than I was around my spiritual father, nothing. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Now, you can't make anybody be right. You can't make anybody live right because there was Judas betrayed Jesus. The disciples denied Jesus, every last one of them. Every last one of them. So it's a choice. When betrayal comes, betrayal only comes as a result of something has happened in your heart. Either you believe you have a right to Jesus, either you got offended by Jesus, something has happened in your heart that calls you to betray. But notice what Scripture says here. Read an Amplified Version. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is the Amplified Version. I'm going to read verse Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Because when it says having the form of God, but denying the power thereof, it tells you the people who have the form of God is in verse 3. And it come on down in 3 and 4. It tells you the people that have the form of godliness. Um, I think I got this right. Three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting in verse 2. 2 to 4. 5 says having the form of godliness, but denying the power. But notice what the people, the kind of people that have the form of God, but denies the power. They deny. To deny the power to deny Jesus. Because the Bible says Christ is the power of God. Notice what it says in verse 2. Talking about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. No, verse 2 says in the Amplified Version, for people will be lovers of self. That's, the number, that's, that's it right there in that year. Betrayal comes because you love yourself. Very few of you know what loyalty is. You, be, you, you, you love yourself. You love yourself. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money. That's the first thing. The reason nobody can be a lover of money than not a lover of self. It's, it's amazing. And I've been experiencing this basically since I've been saved. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered, lovers of money, and aroused by an inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. And that's the kind of people I have had around me. Even in, in, in not everybody, not everybody, but many had around me. Watch this right here. Proud and arrogant and contentious boasters. They will, they will be abusers, blasphemers, scoffers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. I can see the ungratefulness. I can see the obedience. I can even see uh, 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 abusive. You know the most amazing thing to me? The ones that is abusive. Always think somebody abusing them. See, when you are deceived, he doesn't hear the word, not do the word. The Bible says they deceive themselves. Deceiving, deceptive people deceive people, and because they are deceived themselves. When you're deceived, you don't recognize you're deceived many times, but you are deceptive. And that's having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Notice what it says. These, these, he said, these are the people that have a form of godliness, but not the power. Verse 3. 
They will be without natural human affection, callous, inhumane, relentless, admitting admitting of no truce or appeasement. There's somebody I know I've been knowing for years. They have never, never, ever that reveals they have no relationship with They have no, it's impossible to have God in you. It's impossible to have the Holy Spirit. But the Bible said the Holy Spirit will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. How can I in you live a lifestyle and be speaking in tongues so I got the Holy Spirit? Impossible. That if you've been living for 15 years, 20 years, 10 years, 30 years, a lifestyle of a certain thing, and you speak in tongues all the time, your mind, your conscience has been seared like a heart iron because you refuse to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing the comes with my daughter. My daughter was sharing, my oldest daughter shared some things with me a while back. And uh, now talking to her about obedience. I said, you know, when, when you and I don't obey God, uh, our heart gets harder. It gets harder. Not obey a man, not obey your daddy, not obey your pastor, not obey your boss and your job. God. No human being has the power to, to cause your heart to become callous. No human being. When you resist the Holy Spirit, and that's the only God we have in the earth. Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven. They only in our lives with the person of the Holy Spirit. When you reject the Holy Spirit, you're rejecting Christ. You're rejecting the sacrifice. You're rejecting his resurrection. You're rejecting his ascension and enthronement. You're rejecting God. You see how the devil manipulates. And watch this right here. God, help us. And then we would still come to church and sing songs of praise. And we would get even on prayer lines and pray. It's a satanic anointing. It cannot be. Well, I can't say it's a satanic anointing because God will give you something to give to somebody else. But then it can never work for you. It can never work for you. Are you, are you getting this? I pray to God that you, you, you get it, hearing the Spirit of God today. Notice what it says, if you will. It says here, uh, the last part, they will be slanderers, false accusers, true, uh, uh, false accusers, troublemakers. Troublemakers. You can have a person operating on these spirits, a husband or a wife, and they are troublemaker to their family. They are troublemaker to one another. And they are false accusers. They are, when they are under the spirit, they accuse other person of, of being a certain thing when it's them themselves. And these, they are under the mediation of demon spirits to really break down and to tear down the other person because they already have them. It's trying to get the one that is living for God. Intemperate and loose in morals and conduct. Uncontrolled. Uncontrolled. I can't stop lying. I cannot stop doing it. I cannot. Uncontrolled and fierce. Haters of good. That spirit will cannot submit to you because it can't submit to God. Verse 4. They will be truths, excuse me, treacherous. They will be what? Treacherous. Betrayers. They'll be what? They will be treacherous. Betrayers. If, a, if there's a standard in your marriage, if there's a standard in your house, if there's a standard in your church, and a person continue to violate those standards, but never come and apologize, and never come and humble themselves, and never come and repent, uh, what are they doing? They are instruments of treachery. They are instruments of what? Treachery. They are betrayers. 
and 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 if I were to name uh, uh, this 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 uh, series, I'm gonna say this this thing that this uh, communication today. I, I'm gonna say a message, but this talk today or this communication with you today, I would call it treacherous relationships. Treacherous relationships. I got people in my church. Now God told me to do something. Uh, the uh, the strength of my church. Uh, uh, at one time, we had a tremendous balance of male and female authority, and then the enemy manipulated basically all of the male authorities out of the church, and there was females left. And the females that was left, that was loyal and dedicated, and and I even question that now because as I began to look at some things from a different perspective, uh, but it, it pretty much it was loyal and dedicated. I, I came and take that away. Thank God for them. And um, uh, but they went. Uh, it, it husbands wasn't safe. And the Lord told me to uh, shift the leadership. And when I shifted, then all of them gone. And this is not a negative thing. And I, and I love every last one of them. Now, watch this right here. Now I got men in the church who was a part of my church, who go to my church. They have men there, but their wives is not there. And what 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 the what the people do not understand if it's not God's order, it's treachery. Somebody is wrong. Somebody has come against God. It's only two opposing forces, ladies and gentlemen. That's Satan and God. Satan and God. And that's not kingdom order. And men have come to the place that they're comfortable with the treachery and don't even realize it's treachery. Somebody has betrayed Jesus. Somebody has betrayed First Corinthians chapter 11, the head of Christ is God, and the head of Christ, uh, the man is Christ, and the head of the woman is God. Somebody betrayed that. And Satan understands it to try to block and stop. Are you getting this? Notice what it says here. For they will be treacherous. They will be treacherous, traitors, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures. Lovers of what? Sensual pleasures. And vain amusement, more than and rather than lovers of God. And notice, notice one of the most scary things about this right here? I want you to hear God real good, those that's on, on, the, on the broadcast with me. What's scary about this to me? What I just named, there's people I know personally that fast. How can you fast all the time? How can you fast all the time and be and, and live this and there's no change? Because no, I'm tell you what you don't understand. When you're under the influence of spirits and you fasting, you gotta understand witches and warlocks fast. And your consecration, think about it. Your consecration is unto Satan. If there is absolute no conviction, there's no repentance, and you fasting all the time, you are you have become a legal satanic witch or warlock in the house of God. How can you and I fast and pray and there's no conviction? The devil got your heart locked up. You're a bona fide witch and warlock and don't even know it. Because you refuse to do what the word of God says. You are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. You, you walk in faith, but there is no works. 
You're forever learning but never able to come into the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the truth, Scripture says. God been having a, a, a state of meditation on this thing lately, especially I've been, been uh, 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 focusing on the manipulation of the powers of darkness against the church. It's, 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 it's amazing how you can do live and there's no no none no conviction. There's no submission to a conviction, and there and, 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 and when I confront people like this, don't they tell me I was afraid? That means you've been up under the powers of Satan all the time because fear is not of God. It's not in heaven. It's not in the kingdom. It's impossible for it to be in heaven. Thy kingdom has come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, Revelation said, then the fearful will be thrown into the lake of fire, the scripture says. So when I confront people like this, but you know, the reason I didn't say anything, uh, uh, because I was afraid, then every means you've been up under satanic and demonic influence all this time. And you have not been up under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You have not been up under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I used to tell people, people used to tell me when they, uh, especially when we first started the church, first started the church, people used to say, my leadership, well, the people, the people's afraid of you. The people are afraid of you. I said, anybody's afraid of me don't have a relationship with Jesus. I said, the only thing that reveals my people have no relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you're never, you are never afraid of a human being upon the face of the earth, but you reverence, you reverence, you respect, but not be fearful of. You reverence and respect, but not be fearful of. Now, I'm going to ask you, we, got, we probably have some of our members on the broadcast today. Bishop Hammond is a worldwide minister. A worldwide got ministries all over the world, my bishop. When he was here, when Bishop Hammond was here, and you always in the service when he was here on October the seventh, did it look like I was intimidated by Bishop Hammond? Did I carry myself like I was intimidated? Did I carry myself like I was afraid? I highly respected him. I highly reverenced him, but I was not afraid to talk to Bishop. I didn't get no jitteries. There was no jitteries in me when I was around him. I don't get like that. Because Jesus is more real to me than my bishop. And my bishop is who he is because of Jesus. And when Jesus becomes real to you, you're never afraid. But I highly reference him. Let me show you what I mean by reverence. Bishop, came, uh, uh, he was saying he had to leave early. Uh, he had an early flight that Sunday, uh, no, no, that, that Monday morning. He had an early flight. And we was right next to uh, Miami um, Airport. He was leaving on, uh, at the air, Miami Airport. We was at the hotel and right across the street from Miami Airport. And so he said, well, I tell you what, I just, since it's so early, I take a shuttle. I said, bitch, ain't no way in this world the world will come. You with me and you going to catch a shuttle? I said, that will never happen. Why did I say I reverence? I respect, I honor, not afraid of. He's the man of God. He's not God. He's the man of God that God has placed in my life. Not afraid of him. Not a little bit. I have natural, I have a natural conversation with him and we talk about the blues. 
But I'm but and see, you know why? Because I had I developed this by having a spiritual father that I reverence and respect, powerful man of God. Lived with him for several years when I came here to South Florida. Was mentored by him, rebuked by him, corrected by him. We played, we, we laughed together, played together. But I learned how to know when to increase and decrease. Learned, I learned how to know when it's time to stop playing and it's time to reverence and not going overboard. And not going overboard. All of that was preparing me for God to be able to use me to speak into dignitaries' lives, which he have allowed me to do. Speak of the businessman's life. Speak of the millionaire's life. Speak of the politician's life. God has graced me to speak in the politician. He graced me to speak into, to, to, to people that you call famous life. Because I'm not afraid, and I don't value men over God. But when you have an encounter with God, that's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Are you, are you, are you, getting, are you getting something from this? Notice this right here. Let me let me finish this up here. Uh, 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 I, I got to go to a couple more. I got this so much to this right here. And he's trying to help you and I. He's trying to help you and I. James uh, uh, 1, uh, uh, did I finish a verse? To, yeah. Vain amusement, sens- uh, uh, sensual pleasures, lovers of sensual pleasures, and vain amusement more than and rather than lovers of God. And that's what that's, 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 that's a lot of this in the body of Christ. Flood in the body of Christ. So this, think about it. The consecration, if I'm consecrating, you know what consecration is? It ain't really even consecration, what I call a lot of people call consecration. Fasting is not consecration. If there is no consecration while you're fasting, it's not consecration. You're just on a diet. It's on a diet. Because it's impossible for you to consecrate and you're fearful. It's impossible for you to consecrate impossible and there's no humility it's impossible for you to consecrate and there's no conviction go to that person and say and get this thing right and you're afraid of men more than you're afraid of God it's demonic because you know what consecration is that means you're separating yourself from one thing and connecting yourself to another thing you're separating yourself in your heart in your mind from one thing and connecting your heart and your mind to another thing. How in the world could I con- uh, connect my heart and my mind to God without it affecting me? Without it affecting me? Impossible. Impossible. When you truly concentrate to the Lord, you, 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 become, a, you, you become your love like God. Or you begin to love like God. You begin to forgive like God. You begin to see things from God's perspective. If not, it's not a consecration. My motive is exposed on the consecration. The Spirit of God brings conviction to me on the consecration. When I consecrate, the Holy Ghost starts showing me, EJ, you got to get this right. You're undone things I never saw about myself. Everybody going to concentrate, they want to see everything about everybody else. No, that ain't true concentration. When you go on a concentration, the first person that he's going to deal with and the, and the person he's going to deal with the majority of the time is going to be you until you come to the place that you submitted and yielded and he starts showing you things about other things, about other people and other circumstances, situations that he can use you as an instrument to break it because you allow him to break you. Are you getting this? It's the Lord ministering to you today. Notice what James, if you will, 
122 and 24 says here that we, we kind of uh, uh, dealt with two. But notice what uh, uh, James 122 says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. De- what? Deceiving yourself. Deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 23 uh, says, uh, for anyone... For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself but goes away and immediately forget, forgets what kind of man he was, not is, was, not is, was. When you get into the word of the Lord and talk about how great God is, how wonderful God is, and you put and tell people these kinds of things, and God turns it around as soon as you uh, uh, leave the word, uh, your devotion, and he, and he tests you today, and you failed, you forgot. He showed you who you was, but you never became who he showed you because you refused to do the word. And that's what the Bible says, what manner of man you was, not is. When you read the word, the word is showing you who you is. What you do really show you who you was or who you have become. Are you getting this? It goes on to say, verse 24, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And let me read this in the message Bible, if you will. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are, when you are anything but Letting the word go into one ear and out of the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. Is that amazing? Is that amazing? So do you have spiritual amnesia, Alzheimer's? You don't forgot who you are? You living one way when the Bible told you this is who you really are? That you're a man of God? You're a man of authority? You're a man of power? You're a man of wisdom? The Bible says you're at the head and not the tail above only not beneath? The Bible says you're victorious more than a conqueror? The Bible says you're an overcomer. The Bible says you're healed by the strength of Jesus. The Bible says God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. The Bible says he'll deliver you from the powers of darkness and translate you into the kingdom of God's dear son. The Bible says you're to seek these things, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The Bible said this. The Bible says he will supply all your need according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Bible telling you who you are. So when you leave the word of God and you leave this broadcast today, the Bible just told you what kind of man, what manner of man and woman you are. What are you going to do when you leave here? The Bible says you are to be a forgiver. If your brother sinned against you seven times, how many times? Seven times a day? No, 70 times seven. You are a forgiver. Seventy times in one day. The Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. You are a devil caster. You shall lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. You are a hands layer and a recoverer. 
of those from sickness. That's who you are. So when you leave here today, will you forget what man or man you are or was? You are when you do it, was when you don't do it. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit today, ladies and gentlemen? I think this is awesome. Notice what it says here, if you will. Because this is how, this is, see, warfare, I got, I got to do it on me. Before I can do it on you. I got to believe Jesus for me before I can believe Jesus for you. Jesus got to become real to me before I can introduce Jesus as a reality to you. What did Paul preach? Jesus. He preached Jesus. He could not preach Jesus if Jesus was not real to him. Notice the scripture says, if you will. Second Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. We've been going to church for fifty years and I still don't know the truth. I've been in church for fifty years and I still don't know the truth. I didn't say no scripture. I said no the truth. Notice what it says here. Always learning and never able to come into uh, to come to the knowledge of the truth. How you know the person have not come to the knowledge of the truth? Because the scripture says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then if I'm not free, then I don't know the truth. If I don't know the truth, I've been learning, 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 and not can't come into the knowledge of the truth. If I come into the knowledge of the truth, then I will be free from these manipulations. Notice what John says. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, Jesus what? The way. Jesus what? The truth. Jesus what? The life. So if I'm forever learning and never able to come into the knowledge of the truth, that means I have not come into the knowledge of who Jesus is, who is the truth. Who is what? The truth. So you can know scriptures and don't know Jesus. And that's the problem at the church. A lot of us. We know a lot of scripture, but we don't know Jesus. Scripture cannot set you free. Jesus, who is the truth, is the only one who can set us free. We walk in hypocrisy, ladies and gentlemen. Are you getting something? Notice this, if you will, John 5. John 5, 39, and forward and amplified version. You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. And these very scriptures testify about me, and still you are not willing but refuse to come to me so you might have life. So you mean to tell me, preacher, that a lot of people that's reading the scripture and a lot of people that preaching the scripture and a lot of people that are confessing scripture have not come to Jesus? I mean, I'm, I'm, te- I'm reading what, the, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I mean, read it again. You, say, you probably said standing uh, uh, on this radio broadcast there. Wow. Verse 39 again. 
You search and investigate and pour over the scriptures diligently because you suppose and trust that you have eternal life through them. In these very scriptures, in these very scriptures that you, you preach, these very scriptures that you're studying, these very scriptures that you're investigating, these very scriptures that you pray all the time, these very scriptures that you do warfare with all the time, they testify about me. And still you are not willing. And still you are not willing but refuse to come to me so that you might have a life. How do you know you have come to Jesus? Because you will experience liberty. You will be set free from all satanic, demonic, fleshly, soulish enslavement. Let's get down to the real nitty-gritty. And then I can take authority over that devil. Well, I still can take authority over the devil. But there would be no power. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Jesus is the power of God. No power. That's why it worked many times for you. It worked on other people, but it ain't working for you. And that's why people think you're spiritual, because you lay hands on people, people get healed, you cast out devils, and they say, wow! And when you leave them and get in your car, you're struggling. And going home, you're oppressed and depressed. And God just worked a mighty work through you, but you won't let him work a mighty work on you. See, the anointing will come on you for somebody else. It's not the anointing that comes on. Anointing comes on for service. But the anointing within is for life. It's to live this thing out. And the problem with the church and the majority of us preachers, we cry out for an anointing to come on for signs, wonders, and miracles. But how many cry out for an anointing within to resist every demon that come to live for Christ, to be loyal, to be dedicated, and to be willing to die for him? like Stephen did and other men of God that did not deny him even unto the death. See, when you die to yourself, then you and I are ready. But we're lovers of ourselves more than we're lovers of God. Are you, are you getting something from this? So you say, come to me. Let me read this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ready to close here. And I want to open up the door for prayer. Uh, after I share this particular verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, the Amplified Version. Notice what it says. But like a boxer, I buff my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it. And do what? Subdue it. For fear, for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test. Not what? Stand the test. Be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Wow. You mean to tell me I can be on this broadcast today and be a counterfeit? I can be sharing things with you, but I'm a counterfeit? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, how do one qualify, preacher? By becoming a doer of the word and not a hearer only. A person that is a hearer and teach because they are a hearer, preach because they diligently search the scripture and they have acquired some knowledge but have not acquired the knowledge of the truth 
forever learning, but never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. Who is the knowledge of the truth? Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God. The Bible said knowledge shall pass, First Corinthians chapter 13. It said knowledge is going to pass, prophecy is going to pass. But love is the only thing that's going to endure forever. And faith without love, faith works with love. It's impossible to have faith without loving. It's impossible to love without a manifestation of faith. I told somebody one time, uh, you don't love me. They got upset. I know it was the spirits got upset. Because people love the, they love, they love the lie. The scripture says, in the last day, people will believe, they will believe a lie before they believe the truth. So if you're already self-deceived, so you, you really believe you love, it's impossible for you to love. Impossible for you to love when you're deceived, when you're tricked, and you're manipulated, and you're fearful. Impossible. Watch this right here. But like a boxer, I buffed my body, handled it roughly, disciplined it with hardship, by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit. I myself should become what? Unfit. Now, the New King James Version says disqualified. I should become disqualified. So you mean to tell me in order for a person to be a man of God, woman, they have to qualify? In order for a person to even be a Christian, have to qualify? Absolutely. What's the qualification? Faith in God. And faith without works is dead. It's impossible for me to have faith in God and faith in E.J. McKenzie. I got to give up one in order to embrace the other. I got to do what? I got to give up one in order to embrace the other. I got to forget about EJ in order to love Christ. I cannot love EJ. And, and I understand what the scripture says. Because those are scholars, you can ready to quote the scripture to me and let me quote it to you. The, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself, as thyself, as thyself. But first, I got to love God. I cannot love me uh, without loving him. Impossible for me to love me without loving him. Love, agape, comes from God. And because I received God's love, now I can love me. I can't love me without loving him, receiving his love. I lie to myself. I trick myself. First thing I got to do is deny myself. Take up my cross. Following him is to love him. Now I can love him. You can't love without denying it's impossible to biblically love without, without denying. So if I'm loving without denying, that my love have a hook in it. My love has there's an ulterior motives behind my love. It's not genuine. It's not pure. It's not for the betterment of the person or the object of my love. So I disqualify, I'm disqualified. The word disqualified means to uh, uh, to deprave. To deprave of the required qualities. To deprave of the required qualities, properties, or condition. This is good. To deprave of a power. To deprave of a right. To deprave of a privilege. To make ineligible for because of violations of the rules. There is a rule to be a husband. There's a rule to be a wife. There's a rule to be a leader. There's a rule to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There is a rule. 
And the rule for all of them is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him to deprave. Other words, in order for me to be a qualified husband, qualified, I did not deprave the Lord Jesus Christ. I did not deprave God. I did not deprave the Holy Spirit to develop in me the qualities, the properties, the condition. I did not deprave him to produce in me the power, the right, the privileges. So when he when I went through the wilderness of temptation, I submitted, yielded, and surrendered. I I gave my life up and allowed him to become my life. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? So are you eligible? So if I'm disqualified, I have been made ineligible because of the violation of the rules. The rules of love. The rules of loyalty, the rules of commitment, the rules of dedication, the rules of giving my life to Jesus. Ineligible, disqualified to be a leader, to be a father, to be a mother, to be a parent, to be a husband, to be a wife. Disqualified. He goes on to say, he breaks it down, unfit. I like it, he says, Unfit. What is being unfit? Not having the the requisite quality. Not having the the requisite. Excuse me. The requisite qualities or skills to undertake something completely. I refuse to let God, and that's where mentorship comes in and discipleship comes in. And that's why a woman should never get married, a man should never get married. Uh, now, we understand now until they are discipled into a wife, discipled into a husband, then you qualify. The majority of people get married is unqualified. They're unqualified because they, they haven't been developed. And it says rejected. To refuse to acknowledge or grant, to refuse to accept or keep, so be rejected. Counterfeit. Because at least I've become a counterfeit. What's a counterfeit? To take on or present a false or deceptive appearance. I can appear to be a husband. Catherine can appear to be a wife. I can appear to be a father. I can appear to be an, uh, an apostle and a prophet and an evangelist and a pastor and a teacher. I can appear but I'm a counterfeit, to take on or present a false or deceptive appearance. And so many people, that's how they operate. They are more concerned about their image, how people see them, counterfeits. When you're a real man and woman of God or a mature man and woman of God, you don't care about what people think about you. You know that you're who you are by the grace of God and grace of God only, but that's not real. You're more concerned about your image. So we become counterfeit. Being an imitation intended to mislead or deceive. Being an, being an imitation intended to mislead or deceive. And I have had people like that around me too. Being in a relationship with me, want to get close to me just to mislead and deceive the people that they cause they're close to me. Don't understand that there's God's going to hold them accountable for the relationship. The act, practice, or an instant of being of a you know, instance of imposing on another by use of an assumed character or name. The act, practice, or an instance of imposing on another by use 
of an assumed character, an assumed character. I'm an apostle, assumed character. I'm a prophet, an assumed character. I'm a pastor, assumed character. I'm a teacher, an assumed character. I'm an evangelist, I'm an assumed character. 1 Peter 1, 7, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and the glory at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, ladies and gentlemen. Pray to God. I want to pray with you, those that desire prayer. The Lord has spoken to you. You've been found in the word of the Lord. And and I was, I was meditating on something. There there's someone that I'm in relationship with as 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 falling into a lot of this stuff right here, and I gave them I gave them uh, a prayer focus to pray and to battle. You know, the Spirit of God spoke to me this morning. Oh God, we can do some stupid things, and here I am myself. And I said, how is this going to work? How can you pray against the enemy when you've been enslaved by the enemy until you break your grip from the enemy. You only send a person for a greater fall, greater satanic backlashes. We do a lot of crazy stuff, super stuff. And and, and, and I suppose uh, I, I did because how I flow. When the enemy has manipulated me, I go into serious warfare against the enemy. But the difference is the difference is I'm coming against the enemy in the name of Christ, who I believe, and the other person can be coming against the, uh, the enemy in the name of Christ, but they don't believe Christ. Fear reveals who you believe in and don't believe in. Faith be reveals who you believe in and don't believe in. If I have faith in God, that means I have doubt in the devil. If I have fear in fear of a thing, that means I have faith in the thing. I believe the thing that I fear is greater and bigger than God himself. So how can you how can you break the powers of darkness when you're enslaved by the powers of darkness? You can't. You don't believe God. You say all the right things. The devil believes in trouble. We shared that with you. We're so religious. Well, this has been your host. If there's anyone that desire, prayer the Lord has spoken to you. And maybe this is a time for really meditation that you may just want to meditate on what God said and go back over this today and uh, and just go back over it and meditate and do something. Do something. The power is in the doing. The doing is the revelation of your faith. What you do reveals your faith. What you do reveals who you believe in, and what you don't do reveals who you believe and who you don't believe. There ain't no in between. It's time for us to clean clean our lives up. It's time for us to clean our homes up, clean our churches up. And everybody that God ever raised up, he told them to do something, put their life on the line. David's mighty men that gathered around him, notice, go back and study it out. Who was the people that close to him? People that put their life on the line. People that was courageous. They wasn't afraid to die. That's faith. That now 
Christ, God can become my life because I'm not afraid to die. Before Joshua was qualified, qualified, he was God Moses' servant. But before heaven qualified Joshua, God had Moses to send Joshua to lead the Israelites into a war. Moses went on top of the mountain with Aaron and Hur. He led them in warfare. Then God qualified him to lead the children of Israel into Canaan. We want to lead people when we have not experienced no battles. We have not we have not put we have not been willing to put our life on the line to experience the life of God. You can't lead nobody into the, into uh, uh, the supernatural if you never encountered the supernatural. Impossible. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie. We pray to God that you would take this and run with this. You need to get everybody that you know that is born again, confessing to be saved. Get them to come back on this. Get them the website. Get them the number to go back and with the archives and go back over this. So we can we can prepare ourselves to receive this overflow of blessings that God has given us to deliver into our hands. If you and I don't get this right, what God gives us, the enemy is going to steal it from us. He's going to steal it from us because we have not gotten rid of the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. you got to get rid of the enemies in your Canaan. God bless you once again. This has been your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie. Look forward to being with you on Monday night, 6 p.m. to 7, Tuesday, 6 p.m. to 7. God bless you. We pray that your midweek service will be blessed, dynamite, and full of the presence and the glory of God, and Jesus will be exalted as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. God bless you once again. <laughs>